0: we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 17th, 2013. And the next report is entitled, The New Pope Tied to Argentina's Dirty War. So we're going to be looking a little bit more at Bergoglio, the new pope, and see what, you know, what kind of baggage he brings to the table here. So, this Pope Francis I, or formerly known as Jorge Mario Bergoglio, the former Archbishop of Buenos Aires, who was elected Pope by the Papal Conclave on Wednesday, was intimately involved in Operation Condor's dirty war in South America. A product of Chile's D.I.N.A. secret police and five other national security states in Latin America, Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay, Operation Condor was an intelligence operation designed to monitor, assassinate, and disappear leftist dissidents who threatened the bankster economic operation underway in South America. So this is what good old Mister Borgoglio was all slimily yoked up with when he was in Argentina, okay? And again, yoked up with the banksters and, and this type of thing. So here we have a picture of Cardinal when he was Cardinal Borgoglio giving communion. To Jorge Rafael Videla, who was the bu- brutal Argentine dictator. But he could go and get a little dose of cream religion, get his little wafer, and maybe go to confessional and everything's good, you know, and then you can go out and just live like the devil for another week. Which is like, you know, this is why the mafia uh, appeals so much to the Catholic religion, because you can just go out and, and do whatever you're going to do, and then go to the priest and get, you know, absolution of whatever. It's insane. So, going further, Business Insider mentions an article by Hugh O'Shaughnessy posted on the London Guardian website on January 4th, 2011. He takes the Catholic Church to task for the role it played in Operation Condor and ultimately the disappearance and murder of over 30,000 South Americans. He cites Argentine author Horatio Verbitsky who documented the summary execution of thousands of political, political dissidents, the preferred method of murder was to push dissidents from airborne Argentine military planes into the waters of Rio de la Plata, or the Atlantic Ocean. So they take them up in planes and push them out over the ocean. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's Christian. Verbitsky recounts how the Argentinian Navy, with the help of Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, our current Pope, who became the next Jesuit Archbishop of, of Buenos Aires. So he became, he was, first he was a Cardinal, and then he became the Archbishop of Buenos Aires, and now he got to be Pope. Okay. So let me read that again. Verbitsky recounts how the Argentinian Navy, with the help of Bergoglio, and now the current Pope, hid from a visiting delegation of inter-American human rights commissioners, the dictatorship's political prisoners. Bergoglio was hiding them in nothing less than his holiday home on an island called El Silencio, I'm meaning that sounds like the silence, in the River Platte. Is that Silencio's silence? I think so. Anyway, it was kind of fitting he wanted these political prisoners to be silent, so he hit them on his island of El Silencio in the River Platte. The most shaming thing for the church is that in such circumstances, Bergoglio's name was allowed to go forward in the ballot to choose the successor of Pope John Paul II. He was actually the runner-up last time. Not a lot of people, I don't know how many people know that, but he was the runner-up to um, Pope Benedict. He had like 48... Boats or whatever. He was the second in, um, so anyway, he got in, he got the Pope position this time. Again, as far as somebody being elected Pope, it has to do, I'm sure, with many factors, but I think a lot of it has to do with how well have you served Satan. That is one of the main, main things. Are you totally sold out to your father, Satan? And if you are, you're going to be, you know, you're going to move up the food chain. So, My comment. This is not surprising as Bergoglio proved he could play ball with Satan and was rewarded for his service to the beast and is now being rewarded by an ever. is now being appointed as the Pope, okay? Regarding papal election, Satan says, quote, the more evil the better. So in other words, the more evil the the Pope, the better, okay? From a satanic standpoint. Moreover, going back to the article, moreover, a human rights lawyer. Miriam Bergman tried to bring Borgoglio to court for the role he played in the betrayal of two Jesuit priests kidnapped and handed over to the Argentinian death squad. The priests were instructed to leave their pastoral work following divisions within the Jesuits, a Catholic order controlled by the Argentinian elite. These Jesuits made the fatal mistake of criticizing the Catholic Church and its close relationship to the military. Okay. So in other words, they weren't willing to play ball with Satan. They actually criticized the Catholic Church. You can't do that. So what Bergoglio did is he turned these two Jesuit priests, they were kidnapped and then handed over to an Argentinian death squad. So that's what he did. Bergoglio twice invoked, when he was taken to court about this, Bergoglio twice invoked his right under Argentinian law to refuse to appear in an open court. And when he eventually did testify in 2010, his answers were evasive. If he had nothing to hide, why, were, why was he evasive about it? So, um, Bergoglio then headed up the Catholic Church during the successful effort by the globalists to dismantle the Argentini- uh, the Argentinian economy. So, he was heading up the Catholic Church during this time that these globalists were th- dismantling the country. The country's military military dictatorship was supported by Wall Street bankers and David Rockefeller. The IMF and the World Bank wrecking ball accomplished its task in South America with a predictable result. Massive misery, poverty, malnutrition, and death. And good old Bergoglio was right in the middle of all that, doing his satanic part. So again, the Bible says a a tree is known by its fruit. And this is what we're looking at here. Next article. Uh, A a suspected criminal has just been rapidly elected as the new pontiff of the Roman Church, being the first Jesuit in history to head the papacy. Former Cardinal and Pope-elect Francis I, Jorge Borgoglio, is accused of helping to kidnap opponents of the Argentinian's military junta during the 1970s Dirty War, and also of baby trafficking by lawyers and members of the Plaza de Mayo of Human Rights Group. Um, so this guy's had a lot of of this of these allegations way before. I mean, going all the way back to the seven, 1970s. Uh, in a in a article that appeared in the Los Angeles Times, April 17, 2005, it was entitled "Argentinian Cardinal." This is Bergoglio named in kidnapping lawsuit. Besides his personal alleged criminality, Bergoglio, as a Jesuit, represents the most. The group most responsible for the centuries-old crimes against humanity and genocide, for which the superior, the Jesuit superior general, was found guilty on February 25th, alongside with Joseph Ratzinger and other Vatican officials. Now, if you go back two weeks ago, I got into the organization that was actually indicting, trying to indict Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, and other Vatican officials on all of these horrific genocidal crimes they've committed, okay? This is the same organization that I'm quoting from today. This is their newest press release. The Jesuit order established the murderous Indian residential school system in North America during the mid-19th century, and has led the destruction and killing of millions of non-Catholics around the world since its inception in the mid-16th century. And there's, you know... There's no debate on that, just look at the Inquisition. Under a secret oath administered to every member, which we just read, the Jesuits are authorized and encouraged to kill, torture, or overthrow any opponent of the Vatican and the Pope. These facts and uh, the Argentinian allegations and his complicity in the global conspiracy against children enunciated in the canon law Crimin Solenciado's makes the new Pope particularly liable for immediate arrest and sentencing under international law and common law court verdict of February 25th, 2013. So they want want this guy immediately arrested and sentenced. I mean, do I think that's going to happen? No, but at least they're making an effort. Bergoglio's, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen outside of God's intervention, is what I mean. Bergoglio's election makes the guilt of the Vatican and its highest officials for crimes against humanity all that more severe. The new Pope, as the head of the fiduciary office of the Vatican, of Vatican Inc., assumes that guilt and liability. Bergoglio is therefore subject to immediate arrest under the terms of the Common Law Court Order of March 5, 2013, issued by the International Common Law Court of Justice under the authority of Just Gentum, the Law of Nations, and the Roman Statute of International Criminal Court. I would love to see this have teeth, but, you know. Accordingly, an application has been made by our tribunal to these courts for an international citizen's arrest warrant to be issued against the new Roman pontiff, Bergoglio, Pope Francis I, for crimes against humanity and involvement in the global criminal conspiracy based in Rome. And the group's name that's doing this is ITCCS, will soon be issuing more background evidence on the genocidal purpose and actions of the Jesuit order In relation to the ongoing crimes we have documented, and the evidence of Bergoglio's suspected crimes in Argentina, and that was just issued four days ago, March thirteenth, two thousand thirteen. So they're trying. You know, I give them an A for effort. Uh, It's just that, again, this is the the Catholic Church is going to play such a major part in the assimilation of all religions into one world. one-world religious system, I can't see that happening at this point. I mean, it'd be nice, but I I just kind of doubt it, unless the Lord intervenes. Here was another little tidbit I saw. Um, A historic palazzo in Rome, this is another story, that houses a key Vatican department is also the home of a well-known gay sauna the, I call it, unholy sea, paid 20 million euros in 2008 for about 20 apartments in this building for the Congregation for the Evangelization of the Peoples. That's their, this is this wing of the Vatican that is actually in this palazzo that also has a well-known gay sauna in it. You know, there's no contradiction there. It's Prefect Emeritus, Cardinal Even Diaz is one of the priestly residents and proximately to the Europa Multi Club, billed as Italy's top gay sauna, and has drawn comment due to the Vatican's strict stance on gay partnerships. The, the, the facility, the Gay Sauna, boasts a Turkish bath, Finnish sauna, whirlpools, and massages. Also on offer are co- called Bear Parties, which are advertised on its website with a video of a man stripping down before donning clerical attire. And I couldn't even say the other stuff they do there that they openly admitted to. I had to like, cut it off. A guy in a bear outfit that strips down to clerical attire? Oh, man. Anyway, they're in the same building. I guess there's no contradiction there. Well, it really shouldn't with the whole pedophile priest thing. It's kind of match made in hell. So, let's totally shift gears now, and we're going to now go into the whole situation in North Korea, which is also a real powder keg that could potentially happen here. North Korea has thrust the Korean Peninsula back into a state of war as she canceled the temporary armistice agreement of 1952, which is where the Korean War was ended. So what does the Illuminati plan say about Korea? A lot of people may not know this, but there's a book written by a high-level, Luciferian, New-Ager, elite, globalist, Peter Lemassure, and I've quoted from this before, it's called The Armageddon Script. This is how the New World Order, one of the blueprints for the New World Order, the way they want things to play out, regarding bringing in the One World Government, and the Antichrist, and the False Prophet, and the whole seven-year tribulation thing. So, from his book, The Armageddon Script, Prophecy in Action, pages 223 to 224, we read, But then war will seldom be absent from the world scene during the last 20 years of the century. Now, remember, they're not on track. They wanted all this to actually be really going down around 1984, hence the movie. They're behind schedule, okay? At least 10 years, if not more. But, at the time of the writing of this book... The war will seldom war will seldom be absent from the world scene during the last twenty years of the century. There will be numerous local conflicts in the Far East, the Middle East, and Africa. A hair raising nuclear confrontation in Korea toward the end of the period threatens man's very survival. So this is what the New World Order boys have been saying for a long time. There's going to be a hair raising uh, potentially nuclear confrontation in North Korea. I mean, with the nut job they got in there now, huh, yeah, I can just see him mashing on the on the button or whatever, you know, to, to to send the rockets. Now, what does Jesus Christ say regarding the end times we're moving into? We just saw what what they say. What does Jesus Christ say? Well, Matthew twenty four six through eight, Jesus Christ said, "And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled." For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. And again, I did that whole avian flu thing that I did back in the Prophecy Club back in 2006 because of the whole pestilence angle. But, uh, and then Jesus Christ concludes by saying all these are the beginning of sorrows. So it's the beginning. Okay, so Let's go back now to the news regarding Korea. Now, this is a news brief from Washington Post. It's entitled, North Korea has scrapped the armistice that ended the Korean War. The Obama administration bluntly warned North Korea on Monday that it will use military force, if necessary, to protect the United States and its allies in Asia from a North Korean nuclear strike or to prevent the impoverished North from selling nuclear weapons or expertise. So, Obama administration's totally threatened, we will use force, so this doesn't happen. Going further, it says, it is much too late to warn the impoverished North from selling nuclear weapons or expertise as she sold nuclear-capable theater missiles to Iran in 2002, after Iran had bought nuclear warheads off the shelf from impoverished Pakistan. Now, for proof, they have a whole article they did on this, Uh, it's entitled Mushroom Clouds in the Middle East. I gave you the link to it. But there's also an update to this whole thing that I just saw yesterday, um, actually two days ago, and it says, the U.S. is set to bolster its missile defenses in the face of growing threats from North Korea, which sparked outrage today by firing missiles into the Sea of Japan. So they actually, uh, um, North Korea actually fired missiles into the Sea of Japan, it's just like everything's kind of ratcheting up here. Um... And now the U.S. is is bolstering its own missile defenses in the face of this. So the controversial move comes in response to recent aggression from the pariah state led by tyrant dictator Kim Jong-un. A pariah means like an outcast. Earlier today, the communist nation caused international anger when it reportedly fired short-range missiles close to Japan. So it also did that. Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel is expected to reveal tonight the deployment of 14 ground-based missile interceptors on the west, on the U.S. west coast. The move will also involve a reopening of a missile field in Alaska and some based in California. Today's short-range missile, missile launches into the Sea of Japan are the latest in a string of aggressive acts by Kim, Kim Jong-un and is sure to further escalate tensions in the region. It comes just a week after Kim Jong-un vowed to launch a nuclear strike on the U.S. hes I mean, he's done that before. They have done that before North Korea, but they're doing it again. And a month after they conducted secret underground nuclear tests causing a huge earthquake. And North Korea, actually North Korea has possessed nuclear warheads since the fall of the old Soviet Union in 1990. There's another article Cutting Edge put out. Confirming that as well. You can click on it if you like. It's entitled, Korean Peninsula Nuclear Confrontation Plan is Still on Track and Hot. Quoting excerpts from that article, we read, We know that the old Soviet Union manufactured nuclear bombs in North Korea for a couple of decades before it disbanded in 1991, using a far different processing required for North Korea's monazite uranium ore. Now let us examine that reality. Because a lot of people say, well, they didn't have nukes, and and, and Iran doesn't have nukes, and they're just acquiring these things. The reality is they've had these a long time. Um, This is from a news brief from 2003, July 14th, and it's entitled, North Korea's Secret Weapon. The North Korea has the ability to make an infinite number of nuclear warheads. It was May of 1994, nine years ago, and this is from that article from 2003, It was May of 1994, nine years ago, when the U.S. military planners had first realized that North Korea had the bomb and devised nuclear attack plans under William Perry, the then U.S. Secretary of Defense. Perry had estimated that North Korea would have about a hundred nuclear warheads by 2000. Um, Any rational person would ask how the North Koreans acquired so many nuclear weapons since 1994. Publicly, the North Koreans are processing plutonium at its Yong, Yongbyon nuclear reactor, and it's stated and restated over and over in the mass media to the point of ad nauseum that the North Koreans are capable of making only about five or six nuclear weapons in a period of about six months. Since Yangbong doesn't make that make enough plutonium for 100 nuclear weapons, including hydrogen bombs, which use up three times as much fissionable material as atomic bombs for the separate stages. Within the H-bombs, the North Koreans had another source for weapons-grade fissionable material, monazite, which is known as monazite. Most of the thorium found in monazite, and these are the things they use in the bomb, is naturally radioactive thorium 232 The Japanese military built thorium extraction plants in Korea and planned to build a thorium stockpile as part of Japanese military failed endeavor to build an atomic bomb to counter the new nuclear threat posed by the Manhattan Project in the United States. By 1945, the Korean Peninsula was split at the 38th parallel, and North Korea was occupied by the Soviet Union. The Soviets took over the Japanese bomb project and moved most of it to a facility north of Moscow, along with, other, with several other North Korean nuclear physicists. Note, this type of nuclear processing facility is built underground and does not emit telltale nuclear signatures into the air that our satellites and other spy planes are equipped to sense. So that would be a reason why we wouldn't be able to to detect it. During the Cold War, the North Koreans continued to mine Monazite for the Soviet Union, and once the Soviet Empire collapsed in 1991, the Monazite processing facilities, as well as the Monazite mines, then became the property of the North Koreans. Under leadership of Kim Il-sung, during the Cold War, nuclear reactors were built so that the North Korea could now build its own nuclear arsenal, and this is how they got, were able to get so many warheads. That, I said all that so you would understand how they, got, how they could have so many warheads. Now you know the full story as to how North Korea could possess enough nuclear weapons-grade material so that she could process hundreds of weapons. Further, now you know the United States has known this to be true at least since 1994. Therefore, whenever you read these stories that North Korea may be about to produce a few nuclear weapons soon, unless we take dramatic actions to stop them, you know you're reading a propaganda piece designed to create a false impression in the minds of uninformed people. Now, why would they do this? Well, okay, if they can create this crisis like Obama does, oh, Iran's going to be nuclear capable in a year, we've got to do something now, we've got to do something now, well, if they can create this crisis in the minds of people, then they can get whatever they're, they're trying to finagle themselves to get. That's why they do it, to create the crisis. It's, it's the whole Hegelian dialectic, you know, cause-effect and that type of thing. So returning to our featured story, again, only to discover that our government is telling the same old story. Quote, the, the North, North Korea has tested three nuclear devices and is assumed to be gradually perfecting the technology to deliver a nuclear warhead far from its own shores. Going back to the Cutting Edge report, it says, Gradually perfecting technology, North Korea has possessed hundreds of nuclear weapons since 1994. Just as the Iranian rumors of war scenario, uninformed Americans have been told repeatedly since the summer of 2003 that Iran is close to perfecting the technology to make her own warheads, being close for nine full years is not close at all. This is just a a monotonous refrain Both North Korea and Iran have possessed a lot of nuclear weapons. North Korea since 1994 and Iran since 2002. But again, anything that comes out of these politicians' mouth is typically some type of lie on some level. So you just can't believe anything they're saying. Uh, Yet, just this last Thursday, the leading report on Drudge broke entitled, and I put this in here, War Drums, Obama Says Iran One Year Away from the Nuke. And they've had it since at least 2002. And again, I've reported on this many times as well. The North Korean leadership are insane and have been given the task by the Illuminati of carrying out a nuclear war on the Korean peninsula, which will be hair-raising and will threaten man's very survival. And this is just the quote we read from the Armageddon script. I believe this North Korean act of revolting Revoking the temporary armistice agreement of 1953 is a very somber moment in the carrying out of the Armageddon script scenario. On Monday, the rising tensions on the Korean Peninsula were underscored by the Norse announcement that it had completely scrapped the 1953 armistice. The armistice has kept a shaky peace on the peninsula for 60 years and the North Korea's apparent withdrawal, coupled with its severing of communications hotline at the demilitarized border Monday, makes it much more difficult for South Korea and the United States to prevent and resolve disputes with Pyongyang. Pyongyang. At this moment, all parties involved on both sides of the original Korean War are now officially back to war. This moment is somber and should be regarded as such. Do I think an all-out nuclear war is imminent? And this is cutting-edge talking. No, no because the Club of Rome plan, which divides the nations of the world into precisely ten regions, is not nearly close enough to being completed. Now, that may be a good point. Now, remember, there's going to be ten kings, and, you know, according to, like, with Daniel and Revelation, you're going to have ten regions in the world, and the Club of Rome, which is a, a high-level Illuminati, like, think tank, has said that before the New World Order can progress further, we need to have ten regions. One of them is going to be the North American super state, where you've got... Um, you know, Mexico and Canada and and America all coming in one region. Okay, that hasn't been done yet. So he's saying that most likely this nuclear war script is not going to play out right now. So we'll see. We'll see though. Next report Obama is poised to carry out hostile military takeover of the U.S. It says, I've been told by a number of people that it would be impossible for any person to stage a military or hostile takeover of the United States. Ten years ago, I would have agreed with them, but not now. In the past year, President Obama has taken a number of actions that, when added together, clearly indicates his plans for a military or hostile takeover of the United States, and for the first time in my life, I not only believe it could happen, but I firmly believe and convinced it is going to happen before 2016. Uh, personally, I'd be surprised if we had that much time. But To begin with, Obama has been tailoring the U.S. military to his personal agenda. He is filling the ranks of military with gays and lesbians who will now follow him to any extreme because he is their champion. He has all but shackled the chaplains from preaching Christianity to the troops, who, by the way, aren't even allowed to have Bibles in some areas in the Middle East or any other semblance of Christianity. For the military coup de grace, he has been tailoring his top military leaders by asking if they will willingly shoot Americans. And I've reported on this. It's one of the criteria. Those that answer yes are put in key military positions, while those that answer no are basically seeing the end of their military careers. They're being told, okay, you, you need to go. You need to step down. Next, the Department of Homeland Security has been stockpiling millions of weapons and billions of rounds of ammunition, which is fact. It's been verified. The federal government has, even has NOAA, the weather agency stockpiling weapons and ammunition, and they aren't going to be using it to predict the weather. This is an unprecedented in American history and has no purpose or basis other than the use against American people. The massive push for gun control has only one purpose, and that is to disarm the American people. There are more guns in private ownership than there are in the U.S. That would make a hostile takeover much more difficult, costly, and time-consuming. However, the stockpiles of weapons and ammunition are just for that purpose because Obama knows that there are a lot of Americans who will not give up their guns so easily. Attorney General Eric Holder has already warned gun owners that you you need to cower like smokers. I mean, I guess the people that smoke, they've demonized them, that type of thing. One of the problems with the guns in the hands of the people is that the government doesn't know where they all are. That's why they are pushing for complete gun control registration and background checks for everyone who owns a firearm, regardless of any grandfather clauses. Under Obamacare, they are pushing doctors and medical staffers to gather information on their patients as to whether or not they own a gun. Under the National Defense Authorization Act, the federal government has the legal right to indefinitely detain anyone they deem to be dangerous to the country. They do not have to produce any evidence. They do not have to obtain a warrant. They do not have to give you right to an attorney. All Obama or Eric Holder have to do is say you are a threat and that that could be the last anyone sees of you or uh, for who knows how long. Obama has also issued an executive order that gives him absolute power and control over all means of communications for any reasons, including an emergency... In any emergency. The executive order includes all television, cable, radio, internet, and cell phone communications. Lastly, Obama is already placing drones in the skies over America. His chief puppet, Attorney General Holder, has ruled that not only are the drones legal, but that Obama also has a legal right to use them to shoot Americans, to kill Americans on American soil. When you put all this together into one package... It's obvious that the stage is set for Barack Hussein Obama to use force in a hostile military takeover of the U.S. All he has to do is to to declare a state of emergency, most likely prompted by a forced economic collapse. Or, as I've said before, some type of pandemic, which which could potentially force an economic collapse as well. I mean, if nobody's working, if the trucks aren't moving because of some massive pandemic, then that in and of itself could force an economic collapse. And in that environment, I believe people would be much more readily ready to give up their guns in exchange for some supposed cure, which is probably going to be nothing more than a curse in a needle, you know, with the vaccines that they're going to offer. I went over that many, many times. So I just feel like that would be, from a satanic standpoint, they would would have a lot less trouble with that scenario than they would just coming, busting down your door to get your guns. We'll see. I don't know. Um, Going further, this will allow him to control all forms of communication, meaning if, if he declares martial law, both military and DHS trained personnel will then start rounding up everyone that has or still opposes Obama and detain them under the National Defense Authorization Act. Now, Remember, I read all those Bible verses at the start about God protecting us and about God being our defense. That's what we need to keep focusing back on. A lot of times the people that write these articles, they're not saved, they're not Christians, they don't have any kind of biblical mindset or biblical worldview. So, again, don't get too far off into the whole doom and gloom thing. Refocus back in on the Word of God and seeking His will. Um, And and believing that He can protect us. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, those that resist will be the... will face uh, lethal force from the drones or heavily armed military or DHS troops. Anyone resisting will be shot since he has been given the legal authority to do so. Um, But again, that's from a totally secular viewpoint. Okay, If Obama fears a threat from another nation, he would not be slashing military spending, cutting our own nuclear arsenal down to a third of what it was, um, and he... And he wouldn't have Noah stockpiling millions of weapons and ammunition. Everything Obama has been doing and putting in place is pointing inside the U.S., not outside. That's why homeland security is now so armed to the deep. It's the homeland that they're, they're going after. We are his target. Not Iran, Syria, China, North Korea, al-Qaeda. If you don't believe, I mean primarily I think we are. Not to say he might not have other dealings with these other... Things, if you don't believe this will happen prior to the 2016 election, oh, that's where he's getting at the whole 2016 because they want to make sure he's believing from an Illuminati standpoint. They want to make sure that Obama is used to the maximum uh, point, and if he can bring about maximum chaos and maximum um, anarchy or whatever his his plan is going to be, they want to use him as much as possible before another election cycle would roll around. Because they've been able to accomplish more with Obama than just about any other president ever as far as just eroding so many things in, in America. Liberties and things of this nature. So, if you don't believe this will happen prior to the 2016 election, then please explain to me the purpose of all these things we've just stated and have been strategically placed during this time. Also, I suggest you do a little study on the history of countries like Germany, Russia, and China, and other socialist nations, they all thought it could never happen to them, and it did. And it all started with a tyrant, just like Obama, gaining power and outlawing guns. That's where it all started. Um, going further, Christian family is facing deportation by the Obama administration for homeschooling. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play this video here, and you're going to listen to the. You, you can listen to the audio. This is from Fox News.
1: Everyone has a dream between a Christian family and the White House. They could be deported, all because a mom and a dad want to homeschool their children. Fox News Radio's Todd Starnes has been following the story for us, and he joins us now with the new developments. Todd, what's going on here? Well, good morning, Heather. The Romiki family fled Germany in 2008. Mom, dad, their six children, all seeking political asylum. Now, the Romickis are evangelical Christians, and the German government threatened to take away their children and throw them in jail. Just because they refused to stop homeschooling. The German state constitution requires children to attend public school, and parents who don't comply face severe punishment. So, in 2008, with the help of the American based Homeschool Legal Defense Association, the Rockies applied for political asylum. An immigration judge granted the family refuge, and they settled into a new life, purchasing a small Tennessee farm in the shadows of the Great Smoky Mountains. But the Obama administration stepped in and objected to political asylum. The Justice Department says no one has a right to homeschool anywhere. And they do not believe the German government has violated the family's uh, human rights. And Homeland Security demanded the Christian family be deported. Now, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association calls the administration's position an utter repudiation of parental and religious li-
0: so, Homeland Security and the Obama administration is demanding this God fearing Christian family who's homeschooling, who sought political refuge here from Germany, they're demanding they be deported and they have no right to homeschool their kids. I mean, this is the insanity level that we're dealing with here.
1: Good so let's put this in perspective. President Obama is granting amnesty to millions of people who came here illegally. And just last week, the administration released thousands of illegals who had committed crimes. But they want to deport a Christian family just because they want to homeschool. Now, the Romiki family's hopes and dreams now rest with the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And there's no word on when they might hand down a ruling. Heather. All right? Todd Starnes, thank you for joining us this morning. We thank pre-
0: The Bible says one of them to call evil good and good evil. I've said this increasingly. If it's evil, then our government is going to be behind it 100%. If it has anything to do with pro-gay, pro-abortion, pro-wickedness, pro-evil. Deporting this poor family, this poor German family, because they want to homeschool. Last time I checked, it wasn't illegal to homeschool in America. But I guess they want to make some type of example of them. But it's okay to let the illegals pour over the border and and to release the illegals. Out, I mean, that were in prison here. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So I, I would say, you know, ask you to pray for that family and um, because they, I'm sure they they need your prayers desperately because they're in a really bad situation with this. Next report, um, it's entitled Pentecostals Accept Gays. Now I believe this guy that wrote this, Andrew. St- is a Pentecostal I'm doing this, I'm putting this out just so you can understand just one thing that's going on um, in one of the denominations of the um, supposedly Christian movement. It all started in 2009 blog post reported by Rob Buckingham pastor of a large Pentecostal megachurch called Bayside in Melbourne, Australia. His blog post was entitled, Is Jesus Anti-Gay? and made the case for acceptance being the true Christian attitude toward homosexuals. Now, bear in mind, this is not some liberal church or liberal congregation here. The, well, I think they would be, but I guess he's saying they aren't. This fellowship is part of what they call C3, Christian Church, congregation here. Uh, it's a denomination one of the largest Pentecostal groups in Australia. That is why the gay community was so delighted by it all. In the comments section of this article, Rob Buckingham made his views even clearer. Quote, as a Christian and a pastor of a church, I sometimes find the attitudes of fellow Christians embarrassing. So, he would be embarrassed of me because I've done all types of teachings exposing the whole gay, sodomite agenda. And I just quote what the Bible says. It's really doesn't, my opinion's really irrelevant. All it really matters is what the Word of God says. So, he goes on to say, we have a number of gay men and women in our church, and they are accepted just as, as they are, just like everyone else is. Oh, I guess he doesn't really mind about the devils and demons they're bringing when they walk through the door. You know, that doesn't really matter, I guess. And that the Bible condemns that lifestyle. So, the the guy who's writing the article says, So, are you no longer willing to preach what Jesus preached, Rob? Which is, go and sin no more? End of quote. No, just go and keep sinning, is what they're preaching, evidently. So, Rob Buckingham later went on to preach a message at Bayside that was entitled, Real Christianity is Accepting. Well, they're going to open accept the Antichrist with open arms. Guaranteed, this is one of the churches that will be assimilated into the one world religious system. And again, you just you keep leavening your doctrine and compromising, and you're going to end up in the arms of the Antichrist. You're going to end up taking that mark on the right hand of the forehead. Guaranteed. It's just, you know, it's going to happen. So, he he preached a message entitled, Is Real Christianity, Real Christianity is Accepted? And that in it, the pastor overturned the usual understanding of Sodom and Gomorrah story. Now, I don't know how, how you, you mess up Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know how you water that one down. Maybe you're using like some kind of weird newer translation, an ESV or whatever, and they got that thing so watered down or whatever. Uh, the, a lot of the new Bible versions are very gay-friendly. Uh, and then you had, recently I talked about the Queen James Bible that has a gay flag on the cover, a gay cross, it has the, the cross with the gay flag on it, okay now I'm not making this stuff up; they're really doing this garbage. so in it, the pastor in this wonderful uh sermon, the pastor overturned the usual understanding of Sodom and Gomorrah and advocated Christian acceptance of homosexuals. The Pentecostal congregation literally gave him a standing ovation at the end of his sermon. so it's like that Bible verse that says, "And my people love to have it so." Where it talks about you know all the wickedness that's in the and my people lo- prophesying those false things and things that aren't true and you know give us wickedness and my people love to have it so so they they deserve this pastor they they amply deserve this pastor Satan has given them the pastor they literally deserve and desire because if they didn't desire it why did they give them a standing ovation at the end <laughs> I mean. So this message was heralded by the gay press as a huge leap forward inside the Pentecostal movement. One gay activist called it the Bayside Breakthrough. The Star Online trumpeted, quote, Church advocates for gay acceptance minister at Melbourne's Pentecostal Bayside Church received a standing ovation earlier this month for preaching just that in the special sermon on how the church should embrace the GLBT, meaning gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered people. The official Bayside website also published the following statement Quote, Bayside Church welcomes the GLBT people to find God's love and grace and to worship Him freely within our community. Even though the whole affair became well known, the leadership of the C3 Christian movement apparently declined to comment on it. Even though the C3 movement is led by a guy named Phil Pringle a very well-known preacher in Australia. It seems Bayside is still welcome to be part of C3, and Rob Buckingham remains a high-profile pastor in the movement. All of his blog posts on the subject are still proudly featured on the church website. Well, how it goes is that you have some type of denomination like this, and one splinter of it endorses something totally unbiblical. And the major part of the denomination weathers the storm, weathers the storm, but doesn't denounce what he did, but they just kind of weather it, and then eventually they go on to accept it. It's just like where Jesus Christ said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. They're going to allow this leaven, this accepting of this lifestyle, this this homosexual, gay, lesbian, transgender lifestyle... An acceptance of that to permeate through this one splinter part, it's going to permeate the whole thing. It's going to leaven, like yeast leavens a whole lump, and then they'll all be on board. That's how it's going to go down. Guaranteed. So, which surely leads one to believe that Rob Buckingham's views must not be too different from the overall church's view on the subject. No, they're going to get on board. (laughs) That's common. Isn't that reasonable to assume, since they said nothing to the contrary? I mean, if they were going to come out and say, no, no, you need to denounce this, or, or we're cutting you off. They didn't do that. And so homosexual acceptance is free to enter into the Pentecostal uh movement by the back door since leaders are no longer daring to actually take a stand on that issue. Well, that would require backbone. We 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 don't know what that is. You know, what's backbone? So, isn't it sad that political correctness is now overtaking Pentecostal churches worldwide? Well, it is in all churches. Perhaps the fruit of years, perhaps the fruit of years of no real repentance being preached. Um is, this is the fruit, the fruit of that. And I have recently heard of large Baptist churches in Australia also starting to heed, head in the same direction. Who will stand and defend the truth? And not, not only that, but then the whole emerging church movement, uh, contemplative Christianity permeating through almost every denomination that there is. So anyway, that's that's that part. Um Now this was a particularly vile little clip that I saw. A listener forwarded this to me. I'm going to play it. This is so disgustingly grievous, this clip. I mean, there's not like they're... It's just disgusting what you're going to hear. I entitled this portion this is from a listener in Germany. End time flagrant sodomite agenda. David's Homosexual Proposal, the new normal TV show. Have you heard about the new normal? Oh, it's the newest thing. It's a new TV show that they've got. And this is the new normal, if you know what I mean. Like gay, gay guys with guy, anything evil, wicked, and corrupt, that's the new normal. So I'm going to play this little clip for you. And um, we'll go from there. This is a new NBC sitcom.
1: In JB's dressing room. I was calling you all day. Could have picked up. Too depressed to answer. Even after her extreme weight loss, Teresa still thinks she looks huge. So okay,
0: it starts out by two gay guys, and the guy, one guy's coming home, and I guess they just live together, and um, they haven't officially tied the satanic knot yet. And um, he come home, and he's watching some soap opera or whatever, and they're doing the thing gay guys do or whatever. Those dresses.
1: why can't Teresa forget about her path why can't Teresa just have her day on the sun get up we're going for Chinese food I have to see how this ends
0: spoiler Teresa says yes to the dress David yeah, don't be glib they don't always find the dress they're looking for why are we here you promised me dumplings something okay so he's this guy his boyfriend is taking him to his office okay and he doesn't know why he's like oh why are you taking me here
1: I have to do it. it only took a minute. I don't like being in your office after dark. It feels like there are ghosts. Ghosts of patients
0: who couldn't understand their copay and died talking to their insurance company. Hi, Brian. Pretend like I'm not here. There's something I want to ask. Okay, so now it's becoming more apparent what's going on. There's a woman, I guess this guy's a doctor or something. There's a woman who's pregnant. You can see her belly bulge she's in like a it almost looks like something you would deliver a baby in but it's some type of chair she's sitting in in the middle of the office i don't know if this is where he does exams he's got flowers and candles all around the office okay and he's bringing his gay lover into the office and this is where you know he has this proposal thank you and i could only do it like this david stop
1: it what's going on
0: just give me a minute Okay, so now what the guy does is he puts ultrasound jelly on her stomach, and I guess they're going to do a sonogram of this woman. You
1: doing okay? Yeah, I'm great.
0: You do you. There. Hold it right there. Steady. Oh, David. David, look. You can see his or her tiny little fingers. <sighs> yeah, it's actually a child gay boy. I mean, most of the time the, the, the gays are, are totally wanting you know, pro- pro-choice, pro-kill the baby, and they're actually admitting here that it's an actual baby, which is, I find that kind of ironic. Now... What are you doing? He turns around, so he was looking looking lovingly at the, at the sonogram monitor. He turns around, and his gay lover's on one knee. So this is a real Hallmark moment brewing here. I'm, I'm just warning you. Is it my birthday? I wanted to do it like this. He's holding his hand now. In front
1: of our baby, so that one day he or she could say...
0: I was there. So did you get that? He wanted to propose to you on bended knee in front of their baby in the womb so that one day you could say you were there. Okay? And the sonogram's off, the the, the candles are lit, the the white flower's all there. He's on bended knee and he's got the ring. I was there when my daddies got engaged. Oh, he was there when his daddies got engaged. Isn't that precious? I mean, if that doesn't warm the cockles of your heart, I don't know what will. His daddies. I'm sure that has nothing to do with him turning out the way he turned out. His daddies. You know what, though? Two daddies can't procreate. God didn't create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve.
1: There was this uh, moment... At Shania's fake wedding, when I looked over at you and the tears in your eyes were real, I always knew how important getting married was to you. But it wasn't until that moment that I truly understood what commitment meant.
0: Oh. And commitment. Do the stats on the gays. They have the morals. They make, they put alley cats to shame. As far as their fidelity issues, they are some of them. I mean, I've I've quoted the statistics on on the the unbelievably horrific statistics on the whole passing of of the sexually transmitted diseases and the whole how they go on and cheat on each other. I mean, it, it's unbelievable if you run into the statistics. But this is evidently a, a different case here. E. P. Price. So they're. Crying. This is our family. You. Me and that kid. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's, it's such a it's such a telling thing because it's like, they cannot procreate on their own. They've got to have a whole other outside woman willing to have a baby for them in order for them to carry on their whatever they're going to carry on, their family. It's not natural Trevor, in other words.
1: Family is the ultimate commitment. Getting married, it just seems... I don't know, easy, but you don't believe in it. But you do. And I believe in us.
0: <laughs> Brian Collins. Oh my God, it's happening! What are you doing? Oh, this is the big moment. The rings got it. it's. It's one of those ring pops too. It's. It's even. the try to make it more cutesy, I guess. The 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 ring pops. Yeah, they're like uh, like a lollipop. Anyway, he's putting that on there, and and now he's proposing the honor of being my husband. Oh, yes. Ugh. now they're now they're passionately kissing. So that was yeah, that was the new normal. That's just one clip of that abomination of a TV show given to us by Hollywood, and um, you know. That's that's what we're dealing with here. We get it, Jennifer Garner. Sorry, that was probably another disgusting clip from them. Anyway, so yeah, we've got that. Now, so my, my listener from Germany says, this is the new normal. Soon anyone who thinks there's something wrong with homosexuality will be considered mentally ill. Well, they already are, actually, from a technical standpoint. Or bigots, or whatever. Now... Hear the word of God, gays, lesbians, transgendered, and bisexual devils. Here's what I would say to you. I, I don't care about my opinion. I say hear the word of God. Romans 1, uh, 1, 26 through 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. That's what he views this as is a vile affection. For even their women did change the natural use into that which was against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of air, which was meat, which means fit. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, I mean, the last thing a guy like, a gay guy like that's going to think about is what God they don't want to think about God, like the holy God of the Bible. Maybe the big guy in the sky or some liberal version of God, but they don't want to think about what the God of the Bible is like. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then that word convenient means fitting or apt. Going ahead to verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but had pleasure in them that do them. This is one of the big reasons why gays always want to try to recruit. They want to have take pleasure in the very things that they're doing. They want to see other people doing it because misery loves company. And they feel more validated in their own lifestyle when everybody's doing it, it, that they're around at least. So, what does the Bible say in the Old Testament about it? Well, Leviticus twenty thirteen says, If a man lie also with mankind as he lie with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So it was, in the Old Testament, it was an instant death sentence. You know? Um, now... Leviticus 18.22-25 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down unto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. Now, notice, he compares um, homosexuality with lying down with a beast. It's, It's the same sentence. It's actually the next sentence. Okay? That's what an abomination this is in God's eyes, okay? So you can say, well, you know, you're, you're bigoted. No, no, no. Your problem is with God if you don't like these verses. It is with the word of God. You can be mad at me all you want, but this is what the word of God says. Neither shall any woman stay before a beast to lie down there to. It is confusion. Well, God is not the author of confusion, Okay? Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these nations are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. See, that's the big problem with the homosexual, bisexual, gay, transgender thing, and the whole abortion thing. The innocent blood of all those aborted babies are crying out from the land, okay? And the land becomes defiled, and sin begets sin, The more sin that is committed in an area, the more devils and demons get attached to that area, the more sin gets more committed, okay? And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. This is what's coming to America, it has to happen at some point. The land's been defiled, God's going to have to visit the iniquity upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. I hate to say it, but I'm not talking about... True born-again Bible-believing Christians trying to, you know, serve God. But in general, America is destined to have its land vomit out her inhabitants. Because God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. This is a spiritual dynamic that will take place. It says, defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. God has a pattern of casting out these nations that do this garbage. And we're right there. We're right there in America. So, again, just something to think about there. And sorry I had to play that clip, but, you know, it, this is the new normal. The new normal. Uh, let's go further here. Okay, so I just checked, and I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. And we'll go to part three. We might have part three, might have part four. I don't know. It, it kind of varies. But I'll just go ahead and stop here, and we'll see you in part three.